Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Surfing Sales Podcast Bonfire Edition. This is one of our live sessions where we have our special guests joining us to talk about different topics. Uh, this one's particularly going to be focused on the sales engagement world. But since our guest is Max Altruler, I'm sure we'll go off onto several, several other topics. For some reason, my co-host, Scott Lease, has decided to bail on us today. So shame on him. Who knows what, what's going on with him, but that's just how we roll. Uh, quick shout out. First of all, I want to thank uh, Sendoso, Scratchpad, uh, Vidyard, and of course, Outreach for sponsoring this. Uh, Outreach has a special um, landing page they want you to go to click.outreach.io slash surf, click.outreach.io slash surf. And of course, since Max is here, he'll be sure to tell him to give you a big fat healthy discount, right? So Max, my man, how are you? Welcome to the podcast and the bonfire. Doing all right. Pumped to be here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, a couple of things just sort of let folks know. I always love it when people go into the chat and just tell us where you're dialing in from. Let's keep the chat active and live and going from there. Um, also, if you want this, I'll put this into the chat. Give me one second. There is, this is actually the registration page. But on the bottom, well, on the left-hand side, there's a little worksheet, a digital worksheet if you want to do that. So you're welcome to come in and do that. Please, by all means, um, post questions in the chat. Uh, we'll pull you off mute. Got someone coming in from Germany. Love it. So love it, love it, love it. So we'll go ahead and get started. So Max, tell people what you're up to these days because you do a ton, right? Um, give everything from GTM fund. Maybe people don't even know about that yet. Obviously, what you're doing with outreach, um and let's just start there yeah uh so started a media company called sales hacker uh back in 2013 built that up for about five years um during that time started angel investing and advising companies uh one of those companies was outreach pre-seed uh, investor another company was gong as a um uh, advisor probably around their series a bombora drift and a couple other uh, sales and marketing tech companies plus uh, quite a few outside of that um, area. Um, over those five years, built the media company up. I think we had about 170,000 subscribers uh, to our newsletter when we were acquired by Outreach in 2018, came on as a VP of marketing, built that marketing for a year and a half, switched over to a new role called VP of sales engagement, where we focus on kind of uh, evangelizing the category uh, and then helping in a lot of our more strategic deals. Uh, on the side, um, took both of those core competencies of, uh, I guess, all three, understanding GTM plus uh, being able to find good companies early on and then added the GTM leader network that I've had through building a media company to start the GTM fund. Uh, we invest in early stage B2B SaaS companies and our kind of unique differentiator is that our entire LP base, all of our investors are GTM leaders. So we've got about 200 GTM leaders who are all VPC level sales, marketing, customer success leaders at some of the fastest growing companies in the world, like Snowflake, Okta, DocuSign, uh, you name it. We've got you and Scott in there um, and some really amazing people. So uh, kind of doing double duty right now. Um, you know, I kind of call it my own personal flywheel. So everything that I do is accretive to each other. Uh, you know, the fund helps outreach, outreach helps the fund, all that helps me, which is great. And my network. So, uh, you know, it's been a, it's been a blast to 
get the fund up and running, um, see how all these things work together. It's been a blast working at Outreach uh, for the past three and a half years. Don't see myself going anywhere, anywhere anytime soon. Um, company's growing, uh, market's growing. It's great to see what's happening in sales tech overall, you know, from you know, when I got into it in 2000, really 2011, um, when I was building up the sales side of, of Udemy. Uh, it's just pretty incredible, the growth over the past decade. Cool. Yeah, it's been amazing. And uh, it's been a fun ride watching you and, and partnering with you on a lot of things. Uh, I have, give a lot of credit for my success to Max for when I first started going into consulting. And we just met in an event, um, shook hands. And a couple of weeks later, got a request of like, hey, do you think you could help Max do this from our friend George uh, Soto? And I did. And, you know, I, I've been connected with Max ever since. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where you don't know where life's going to take you. I want to come back to sales engagement because you kind of you kind of helped write the book on this thing, Max. Right, like literally hacking sales. Uh, you know, those of you who haven't read it, um, you should. Uh, even though the content is years old, the concepts are true and alive, and the vision is there. And I think it opens people's mind. I just reread it about eight months ago, and I was like, oh yeah, that makes me think of this now, and thinks of this, and thinks. So it really will help you do that. But you know. Talk to us a little bit about sales engagement. Like it's gotten to this point where it's not a nice to have, it's a must have, right? Even the features are becoming more and more robust. In fact, I'd be curious if sales reps know how to use outreach better than they know how to use Salesforce. Like it wouldn't surprise me. Um, but, you know, what else is happening in the engagement world aside from email and phone call and, you know, your sequences, like it's way bigger than that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you look at it as like a, you know, pyramid structure at the base layer, you've got your uh, system of record, which is your CRM. And then you might have your um, account contact layer, which might be, you know, now is uh, a lot of different companies, Zoom Info, Lead IQ, Cognizant, Sales Intel, there's, there's tons of companies popping up in that space. I'm sure I'm forgetting a, a ton of friendlies there, but, uh, you know, Clearbit. And then, you know, after that, there's your system of action, which, you know, is a sales engagement platform. And, um, you know, what we've strived to do over time at Outreach is create a flywheel between kind of your inside of your system of action. And, you know, you've seen kind of the revenue intelligence category pop up, which is a layer on top of that, you know, that system of action where, um, you know, you run the workflow. The workflow gives you data. Data creates insights to optimize the workflow, then you run the optimized workflow. So your system should get better over time. You should be able to learn from the things that you're doing and the inputs into your system. And then the output is, okay, this was successful or it wasn't. Here's why, here's why not. Learn from that and then go do it again. So if you've got the system set up in the right way for your team, you should have you know pretty good sequence and team reporting an understanding of, you know, okay, this message is or isn't working. Here's why. Here's the responses that we're getting. It's budget related. It's the right person related. You know, we're above the line. We're below the line. We're too above the line, too below the line. We need to find ways to, to uh, you know, penetrate this account differently. And you should be able to get those learnings from the data-driven way. And I think, you know, sales is always going to be, there's always going to be kind of a natural kind of gut instinct to sales. I think some people are are kind of just, you know, cut out for it. Some people aren't, but I think, you know, we're becoming more scientific about how we can uh, increase results. Oh, I love what you just said. We're becoming more scientific. It's, I mean, it's not an art anymore. 
Is that what I'm hearing you say? I think there's an art to it, certainly. But I think we're incre increasing the ability to, um, you know, take a scientific approach to it, take right. an analytical data-backed approach to sales. Yeah. Uh, and you're seeing that with a lot of the, I mean, like you look at the, the valuations that a, a lot of these companies have received recently. You know, these VCs are looking at growth, they're looking at strategy, they're looking at roadmap. Um, you know, the Forrester Wave came out for uh, revenue intelligence and sales engagement. So you're seeing kind of the, the analysts start to recognize it now. Uh, you'll, you're starting to see, um, you know, sites like G2 Crowd, things like that. You know, the, the review numbers are going up. There are a lot of people using these, these technologies. So I still think it's nascent. I, st I still think, you know, Salesforce, I think, has 200,000 customers. They represent 20% of the CRM market. That market's growing 20% year over year, something like that. So, you know, that's a million plus companies that have a CRM. And you look at outreach, you look at, you know, everybody in the sales engagement space, you combine that with the revenue intelligence space, you're still... Do you think those are going to merge? you think those are going to come together? Like at some point, you know... It's happening now. I mean, that's why we've created... We, we've evolved our, our category from sales engagement to sales execution. Because uh, it's larger than just the engagement layer. Now it's the intelligence layer, forecasting, deal rooms, uh, you know, conversational intelligence, things like that, that all are wrapped into one. So I think there's a, a massive evolution happening. And I think you've seen that with categories, you know, like Salesforce and, and others that have uh, come a long way. I mean, HubSpot used to be all about inbound. Now it's a, you know, it's a full suite of products. So I think if you're not thinking about that evolution, eventually you're going to plateau and then you're going to be taken over by the folks who are thinking about what that, the next level of innovation looks like. What do you, what do you think CROs or startups misunderstand about an engagement platform of an outreach, right? Because sometimes, you know, you, you, when you are even, you know, a company of an outreach size, gets it right but oftentimes the earlier stage companies they got 8 10 15 reps they know they need this but what are the misunderstanding about this do you think yeah uh you know i think like the early days um engagement got a bad rep for just being an sdr tool or like spray and pray tool i think it's a lot more than that i think that's why there has to be a ton of education around it i mean when you're creating a new category and you know an innovative product it's up to us to create best practices and education around that. It's up to us to create an ecosystem of, of thriving um, SIs and consultants and folks like that who are going to come in and, and help these companies understand how to do it. I think, you know, the other thing is, yeah, I mean, we're fighting for, we're fighting for new budgets. Um, what do you, so, you know, it, I want to, I want to dig in where you said, yeah. you know, people think it's, it's, Oh, it's, you know, it's an SDR tool, right? Which I still think we all do, right? Like I, I probably even still think that. What are the use cases though, for those who are listening or are gonna go listen to the recording where it's like, okay, well, yeah, it does do this part at the top of the funnel. Um, and I know Liz just commented in the chat that she's an AE and use it daily, but what what else, how are customer success teams using it? How are AEs using it? Are, are marketing teams using it? Although they've got their own sort of marketing stack, you know, like. What are some of those differences that we just don't necessarily see because we're so pigeonholed into the sales mentality? Yeah, definitely. And the, and the platform broadened out quite a bit. I mean, it used to be just, you know, uh, sales engagement, standard outreach. Now there's engage, guide, and commit. Commit is the forecasting. 
technology that is for management leadership. Then there's guide that's your conversational intelligence and your um, success plans, we call them, which is, you know, deal rooms, which is pretty much exactly what like an AE SKU should be. And then there's your engaged product, which still I think a lot of AEs get a benefit from. I mean, you should be using follow-up sequences. Uh, there's plenty of times where like sales is not linear. Like I've seen other companies come out and say, hey, we're going to do some activity stuff in our product because we've done something else. And like, hey, you know, the SDR happily passes the lead off to the AE. Then they get on a call. Then the AE is like, hey, I like this. Let's get on with leadership. Then we all you know, celebrate, it gets passed off to the CSM, hooray, yay, everybody's clapping. It's not how sales works. The lead gets passed off, you get ghosted, you follow up a couple of times, you finally get the meeting. All right, send more information. All right, we need to round up, you know, the other decision makers here who, and now we got to get multi-threaded. We got to get our execs aligned. We got to loop in other people into the deal cycle. There's so much that happens in a deal that is a lot of, communication and back and forth and an AE like honestly doing their job being master of ceremonies in the calls in a lot of cases you know if you have an SC they might be running the demos but it's up to the AE to to you know push pull the deal cycle along and there's a lot of communication that happens in that that is you know quite frankly you know in many ways redundant or you know hey just following up on this Mm-hmm. Have the NDA come through yet? Is there anybody else we need to include on this? Those types of things are not things that you should just send an email and then like hope you're going to remember in three days to follow up, five days to follow up, or like put like put it on your calendar. It seems like you know we're stuck in the Stone Ages to do that. Like you should have sequences that do this for you. When the person responds, the sequence gets paused, or or you know however you want to run it. But you know, I think there's a ton of benefit to account executives and CSMs. I mean, CSMs should have check-ins on their calendar. All right, it's six months from renewal. We need to be having this check-in. There's an expansion opportunity here. Again, you need to be multi-threaded. You need to be following up. There's so many different ways you can use it to upsell, expand, or renew customers. So, you know, maybe I'm a homer. We drink our own champagne here at Outreach, and it works pretty well for us. But that's why you're here. I mean, I, can't, no, I don't think anybody's going to come and listen to this and go, well, I hope he doesn't talk about how outreach, you know, works. Like, if, if you didn't, get the fuck off. Like, no, <laughs> shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, um, but, but I think this is the stuff, though, because, like, you know, because people come to me all the time. They're like, well, Richard, what do you know? What do you know? And I'm probably the last person you should ask to tell you the nuances of the things that Max is describing, right? I am not an outreach ideal customer. Like I'm me, I'm one guy, right? Yeah, I have, I use it to like schedule some calendar stuff and I use it to send a couple of automated emails when I haven't heard back from somebody, but I'm never going to be the person to go and deep dive into this stuff. Like I just couldn't, like I just, you know, there's just too many of them also, right? So, and that's not my thing. Like people don't, don't, um, that's not really what, they come to me for advice. And so I'm like, well, you should go talk to them and ask them this and ask that way. we need to do a better job of highlighting our customers who do it really well. Also, like, I think there are a lot of things that we do that, yeah, we're, we're, you know, best in class um, because it's, you know, it's our product, but there are plenty of times where we're wowed by, you know, our customers, they're doing something new or unique or creative that's working really well and, you know, better than we are uh, right. using our product to do it. They're using the data to do it. And one of the things that I was talking about before you were talking about, you know, what are some things that, um, 
you know, people could do better or don't know or mistake, you know, early on in, in implementing sales engagement or sizing up sales engagement for their organization is you got to resource it. And I think a lot of people think, okay, well, you know, I'm going to pay software costs and then that's all I need to do. But, you know, similar to Salesforce, you have a Salesforce admin, you have sales ops, you have, you know, folks that, that need to own the machine. And I do think, you know, we're creating a movement, which ideally one day, you know, that'll be a more highly coveted role than Salesforce. I actually think, you know, we can get to a place where you can use a data lake and you don't even need a CRM. And I think you see some of the vendors that are- What did you call it? Use it a data what? Data lake, like uh, like Snowflake or Databricks or something. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay. And I think, you know, there, there are quite a few companies that are approaching this kind of own the rep mentality that are that are thinking about it, you know, in a couple different ways. Like I know- um, Dong wants it to be autonomous in the background. You don't even realize you're living in it type thing. I think we want to provide you with a cockpit that your reps spend, you know, hundred percent of their times in reps, leadership, everybody in your organization, and they know they're in outreach. You know, for now, I think there are some really interesting ways for us to integrate or lace in outreach into the workflow without changing too much of, you know, the, the current reps workflow to, you know, to, to kind of manage that change management where, you know, we give you outreach everywhere, which is, you know, you can use it in Salesforce, you can use it in outreach, you can use it in, in the inbox. Um, but there is a world in which, you know, I think people will be spending more time in outreach than they will anywhere else. And uh, everybody's kind of approaching this kind of rep mindshare, rep day-to-day. Do you, do you think essentially what's happening is you're rebuilding the CRM from the inside out? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we're focused on the, the biggest problem first. And then working backwards from there. So, uh, you know, ideally, you know, if you have the data on all these interactions and you understand the rep workflow really well, then you're attack you're you're basically tackling the hardest thing first. And then from there, intelligence and other things, even account data, everything is easy. Yeah, yeah. What um, you know, you talked a lot about making better data-driven decisions earlier, right? Which we hear, great buzzwords, great marketing. That's why you're a good CMO. Um, you know, what are the kind of data-driven decisions you're seeing? Like you gave some examples of this message or that message. Like, are there things that were, you would have sworn, God, I'd have sworn that my hypothesis would be that it's this way, but the data is coming back and saying, you know what, it's this many touches, not that many touches. It's you need to do LinkedIn here versus there. And, and believe me, I know the answer is, well, it depends on the industry and whether they're on LinkedIn and all that shit. But anything pop in your mind? I see you smiling. So I'm curious if what popped in your mind. Yeah, I mean, there, there are no silver bullets in this thing. Like you need to do, you need to, you need to organize this on your own instance and run it for your cohort. And there's just so many variables that it's hard to be like, okay, this is, this is going to work for this. This isn't going to work for this. And I see a lot of companies that, you know, in their marketing do um, like very generalized statements about like cold emailing or cold calling and things like that. And I'm like, all right, maybe they have a sample size. I don't know what their sample size is and it's great marketing stuff. And it's uh, you know, it's fun to read, but like you put that into practice and if you're not, if you're not analyzing that data for yourself, then you could be shooting yourself in the foot. And there's, there's also like a lot of really silly stuff too. Like, Oh, if you have too many ums and uhs in your phone call, you're going to get a 15% like fewer, like deals done lower close rate. That's the silliest shit I ever heard. I like guess that's, that's not, 
rooted in reality at all, but it makes for great marketing, you know, debatable. You don't think that data, I mean, you know, we see all that stuff. I talk about it, you know, you don't think it really matters? No, not at all. You don't. Zero. Zero. So what does it come back to you then for you? Because what does matter then if it's not the ums and us? Well, what matters for you is to, to analyze your own data and the things that are working in your organization, double down on your winners and ditch your losers. And, you know, I think there are certain things um, that are probably going to work more often than others that are like, you know, telltale, hey, here's how you ask a certain question versus the other way of asking, you know, that question. So like the medic med pick style of selling, I'm sure mm -hmm. there's stuff in Challenger and things like that that work really well. So framing, um, you know, open-ended questions versus yes, no. I'm sure that stuff works really well. Uh, but I would say that like some of the more like, you know, limit the amount of times you say I in an email, that type of stuff. It's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Debatable if that's going to work for you or not. Bullet points. If you go and post it on LinkedIn, here's how to write a good cold email. I guarantee you there's going to be people like, oh, I don't like that. I wouldn't respond to that. Yeah. I don't like bullet points in emails. Oh, I like bullet points in emails. It's yeah. it's different depending on the audience that you reach out to. So I think like, I think pipeline, I mean, the, the, I think John Barrow is the one who says like, you know, the cure to, um, what is it? Cure to hitting your number is build a fat pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of things are a numbers game. Yeah. And it's even better if you're analytical about those numbers and understand how to affect the outcome over time versus just like classic spray and pray. I'm not going to do anything to change what I'm currently doing. And it's just, I'm just going to be stuck with whatever the results are. Yeah, that, that's really good. I'm a bullet point guy. And, you know, boy, we could certainly go into the conversation of the person who came up with that. Don't use bullet points. And I was, all the I was but, running but, sales hacker. I sent out an email once for something. It had bullet points in it. I thought it was a good email. Somebody responded like, you're running a media company on this and you don't know how to send a cold email, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, if I sent this email out to 100 people, Right. 49 would tell me it was good and 51 would tell me it was bad or opposite like it, it's so oh that's great well, okay. I wanna, I, we got a, a question coming from sam i know you had a question in here and then jason i'll come to you to, to unmute you in a second so sam go ahead and uh ask away thank you uh i'm trying to keep this little guy at bay he's destroying my apartment these days that's all right uh, um, first off i want to say like uh i appreciate that answer max around like kind of getting caught up in the minutia of some of the, I think particularly with like the conversational intelligence tool data around like questions, feels like getting a little too sciencey about the art part of sales. Um, but my question, I guess, with specifically like what's working with for you guys at Outreach is around LinkedIn. Um, you know, at ShareBite, the company I'm at, like we found product market fit, we're building awareness, we're about to do a rebrand. Um, and I want reps on LinkedIn, but it's a thing that I'm really hesitant to automate because I know one, that they own their brand and two, uh, I don't want to oversimplify it or have people blasting out like crappy content on LinkedIn. So what do you guys do at, at outreach? And like, uh, I go, I know it's different cause you're selling to salespeople, but in general, what do you tell like sort of, uh, earlier stage startups that do have product market fit and are just trying to go like evangelize the brand without being annoying? Yeah. So I guess LinkedIn's a two-parter because there's the evangelism piece, which is like posting publicly, um, you know, on a weekly basis or multiple times a week. And then there's the LinkedIn part of your sequence, which is, you know, connect with someone, send a tailored message, 
put that into your flow of email, call, LinkedIn, connect, message, that kind of stuff. On the evangelism piece, um, you know, our company has been pretty good, uh, been good about, um, I'd say like doing the brand building type thing. And we, we, we promote that quite a bit from the, the leadership level on down. So I do think that's like a trickle down effect from your leadership. Um, you know, you see Manny, our CEO, posts a lot on LinkedIn. I post quite a bit on LinkedIn. Um, Scott Barker, Anna Baird, our CRO, posts on LinkedIn. So when you see the leaderships doing it and, you know, putting time into it, I think people kind of say, okay, not only is this all right for me to spend time on, but, um, you know, there's value here. I gave a talk once, I think it was like the Okta sales team. And um, they were like, well, how do you make the time for it? I think the other thing is you just have to look at it as your personal, like professional development time. And if, if you have the time to be on Instagram or TikTok or any of the other ones, then you can make this a habit and be on, you know, LinkedIn instead of those platforms or a fraction of that time or whatever. So, um, you know, I think that's, that's the first thing is just like getting in, building the kind of muscle memory for it. The second thing is, yeah, they should be posting about their experience being an SDR. They should be posting about the things that are happening in your business. They should be posting about the successes that are happening on their team. Like there's, there's content and everything. And some people do this good. I think some people do this to a point where like you're, it kind of looks like they're beating a, a dead horse a little bit where it's like, um, all right, like not everything is content. Like you can't go and take something that's a little bit of a taboo topic and talk about like leadership skills. Like there were a bunch of jokes on the internet that was like, what I learned from Zelensky and about sales type thing. It's like, you're not, you can't take that and turn that into like current events content for sales topics. Like it's maybe off limits, but there are things you can do that you can compare that too. And I've seen people do that well with like a Tom Brady won a seventh Super Bowl. Like here are the common traits that you have, like that type of stuff. So you just gotta you just gotta build that muscle memory almost um of understanding like you know what's gonna resonate, what to post. Yeah. I also think too you have to go super vulnerable on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I I you know Max said earlier, but I I started using the phrase professional. Like LinkedIn is personal and it is professional. Um and People have to understand that. And so if you want to write about your successes or failures, you should. Um, they don't all have to be sales related. They can be life related. I talk a lot about mental health and some things like that. I know Max has shared some personal stories along the way. Um, and I think that helps because the other part of this and the audience that people don't realize is that the other people you're talking to on LinkedIn are your future bosses, right? Or the people you're going to hire. And companies may not want to hear it, but it's the truth. And it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you can't get to that reality to realize that I'm posting because it's good for me too, and good for me before my company, you know, then you got to decide if it's the right kind of company. I don't know how outreach looks at that stuff, but, um, you know, it's what I teach all the time. Like LeBron's not pitching Sprite because they like, you know, because he likes it. Right. So Jason, what's up, bud? You got a question. Richard Max, appreciate you guys uh, hosting this and uh, taking the question here. So I, I wanted to get an idea of where your head's at whenever you're creating sequences. You said something about follow-up sequences. I've always used the cadences and the sequences and outreach or in years prior, things like uh, Yesware um, to 
with the purpose of making contact. That was the whole idea of putting it together is, can we have a compelling message that's coherent, um, that gets somebody to want to um, answer that call to action, to pick up the phone and return an email. After that's done, I've typically favored, I, I put in the chat a, a non-templated, but maybe a less templated, uh, more personalized approach. So as you're talking about building sequences for follow-up, um, is the answer, you know, creating more of the, the, the tokenized stuff that's, that's maybe in Salesforce that can kind of push over to outreach? Um, or, or how do you typically think about those things when you're, when you're forming um, sequences for after contact has been made and you're now in the sales funnel, you're in the sales cycle here? Yeah, I mean, one of the best things you could do is have either like a lunch um, or form a committee with your top reps and then just ask them questions about what's working in their deal cycles and then try and almost like productize that uh, throughout your, your sequences or whatnot. So one of the best things we did here when we were first kind of getting started with revamp sequences, maybe like two, two and a half years ago when we first got this like really robust reporting, we took a bunch of our rest, best reps out to like Thai food for lunch at a decently nice place that they would want to like opt into. And we opened up the conversation about like, okay, well, what do you see that's working really well? And and not only helped with um, sequence creation, but it helped with uh, compete material. It helped with kind of um, uh, ob uh, objection, handling, things like that, where, you know, one rep would be like, oh yeah, you know, I've been hearing X, Y, and Z a lot. Here's how I've been dealing with it. Then the other reps would be like, oh, wow, that's really good. I'm going to steal that. Okay, great. Then we on the, on like the product marketing team at the time would go, all right, let's write this down. Let's figure out how to put this into enablement and get this out there. And even in sequence creation, um, you know, if somebody had a really good uh, follow-up sequence or template or something like that, we would take that and see if we can scale that out through the rest of the team. So I don't think there's any blanket advice that I have because I don't know your business that well, but the people who do know your business are your most successful reps and go see if you can clone, you know, the things that you can clone um, that Jason, makes them that way. Jason, I'm going to have you come off mute. What made you ask this question? Like, where's this even coming from? Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and Max, thank you for that. I mean, I, the, the summary that I'm hearing is basically crowdsourcing from the people who know it best and are closest to the ground level. Uh, I love it. Richard, the, in terms of what made me ask it is I'm going through right now and revamping um, a lot of the sequences that we've had. Our team has grown a lot recently. And so it started out with this group this time last year. Uh, in fact, one of the guys is on here too. It was a team of maybe a dozen people. Uh, we're probably about five times as large now, a little bit more. And so the stuff that was happening then was just kind of people who happened to put some things together versus now we're trying to get some more consistency across the sales org, minimize some of the variables. And so we're creating sequences that everybody will be using for cold outreach or for this vertical or inbound leads, right? We're, we're going through and, and, and systemizing everything. And so yeah, that's you're a scaling, it sounds like you're having, you're trying to figure out scale because it's different when you got 12 to when you got 25 or 40, right? If that's what I'm hearing, yeah. And that becomes a challenge too, because then all of a sudden, you know, the beauty when you got an outreach uh, or got, you know, back in the day, yes, where, um, was, oh, I get to be so much more creative. And now you're sort of taking that away from the rep, not with ill intent, not with lack of trust, but with science. Um, so, you know, Max, any, any suggestions on Okay, well, yeah, you're, you know, as you scale, yes, you use this, but let's say you go to 50 or 100 reps. Well, how big can that committee be, right? Do you then have an outreach ops person? And that's their whole job is to figure this stuff out. Like, where does it go? 
Yeah, I mean, at a certain point, you, we have, I think we have a dedicated outreach sequence headcount for sales and customer success. So actually two different roles. And I think, you know, when you're at a couple hundred reps, that comes into play. I think that even a hundred reps, you should have somebody who manages your outreach instance. And that could include sequences, or it could be a fraction of like, um, your sales enablement or sales managers roles and responsibilities, but yeah, you should always have somebody looking at the data, looking at the team reports, the sequence reports and understanding what's working, what's not, and then deprecating things that aren't working and elevating the things that are, and that could be, you know, spotlighting, you know, your best reps or best best performing sequences or, and letting them, you know, take a little bit of liberties with some of the things that they're, they're doing, like, you know, their editing capabilities, I wouldn't let them edit an entire sequence per se. Um, so you don't want this to be the wild, wild west where you have like a team with 5,000 sequences, but you want them to be able to kind of add their own, uh, you know, secret spices and things like that, that are going to make it their, their personality uh, as they go and, um, and just see what works. I think that's the best way to do it. I, I think the committee though, like we were, we were still 500 or so employees when we did, you know, that type of committee thing. So you can still take your top reps and you can segment it out if you want to and say, okay, like let's, let's take out the mid market ones, or here's what's working for enterprise. Here's what's working for strategic. Here's what's working for SMB or micro, whatever you call it. Um, but the more granular you can get, I think the better it's going to be for the, for the team. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'll throw out some other ideas. Um, Cause I, I do like the, you know, let's take them out for food, right. Where they're, where they want to opt in. A um, couple other things I would encourage the leadership folks and even the reps here uh, to go to your leadership is one, uh, the more you're engaged at the rep level to building these things, the better that's for your career. Like that's career growth, that's career path development, right? So if I'm a manager and I've got reps and I'm like, hey, who wants to volunteer to help me on this committee? By the way, if you're ever thinking about being promoted, this is a good opportunity. Like I'll throw it out there and just tell them because they all want to come and get promoted, but until they have to get down and do the dirty work, <laughs> like sitting down and scrutinizing an entire sequence and cadence and, uh, you know, subject lines and body, like that's welcome to management, you know, maybe it'll weed them out, not in a bad way. Maybe it'll make them just stay into the sales world. So I encourage people to look at it that way and it's something they get to take with them. Right. And then the last thing too, is, you know, particularly if you're going to bring in reps to do this, who've never done it before, Remind them that if they go and test something and create something and it fails, that's still a win because it's going to get you one step closer to what's working right. You know, so because they'll put so much on themselves, right? Um, you know, particularly the the you know, I still do because I like to win, but particularly people early in their career, they're like, oh my god, what if I put something together for for Jason or Max and it fails? Are going to look bad to Max and Jason? No, Jason and Max would be like, hey, what'd you learn? Tell me what you learned. What would you change? Great. You learned. Let's go do it. But, you know, that, that's some other thoughts around it. So. Manny had a good post on this the other day about, you know, kind of embracing failure, um, you know, through the, through the course of outreach. Uh, there have been plenty of times we've had failures. It's, it's, wor it's worth embracing because you get the learnings from it. Yet the only, the only way you fail and it's not worth it is if, it, if you don't um, take accountability for the failure. And therefore you don't get the learnings from it. So, yeah. you know, a lot of this is trial and error. And now with outreach, uh, you know, we finally allow you to be able to understand what's really working and what's not. I like what you said, that failure is really refusing to take accountability for the error. 
Right. That when you fail that. and you don't take accountability, right. you when you fail and you take accountability, you get the learning from it. Yeah. That's really, really good. I like that. So, um, you know, you know, Max, I'm going to, I'm going to flip it around. If anybody's got a question, one, put more questions in the chat, but um, Max, any question you want to ask the crowd, like here's a chance for you to get in front of different people. You know, what are you, anything, and I didn't even tell you, you could do this, but <laughs> anything you want to think about asking them um, as it relates to, to this world these days? I don't know if I have any like questions off the top of my head. Um... Yeah, I guess like what's missing. I mean, what like what have you always wanted to do in your sales process? That you can't like where's 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 the gap? Where's tech failing your organization right now? Um, you know, we're we're a very innovative company. We focus on depth, not width or breadth of uh, of TAM. I think you know we see some others in the space that are like, let's go try and serve and open up TAM instead of getting deeper in innovation into, you know, they're currently doing, we're the opposite. We want to focus on innovation and then, you know, TAM will, will be there later. TAM will be, will be just fine. So where are the gaps? What are we missing? What is tech in general missing? Um, or, or what are the complementary products even to outreach that like, you know, you can't live without or, you know, are super grateful for? That's probably be my main questions. Cool. I'll throw one out there in the meantime, which would be, and, and maybe it's an opinion of where you think it's headed, uh, video, right? Like I know you guys have integrations with, with you know, the big drives of the world and stuff like that, but do you feel like that needs to be baked in more directly into this stuff? Or do you feel like that's a separate piece? Well, my personal opinion on video, and this is not the opinion of outreach or Manny or product, but like, I'd imagine that there's, um, significant hosting fees and things that like that, that come with video. I also haven't really seen too much of these platforms. So I don't know how robust it goes, but if like the video interaction piece is um, already able to API into your sequence, then maybe it's best that we just let them go and do that completely separate business. Um, and eat those costs and, you know, figure that out and then let people kind of API in. And um, I know that they have like free SKUs and things like that for Vidyard and some of the other ones. So Drift, I think is another one, Hippo Video. So yeah, I don't think that's um, super interesting for us to do ourselves, but makes sense to play well in the ecosystem. Yeah, that that's kind of what I was wondering is where does it, where does it fit, right? Because it's, everything's sort of getting tacked on. Um, how do you see, and, and maybe you, you do have this and, and you talked about it, but more directly, where do you see AI taking us to the next level in the next couple of years with this stuff, right? Like will, will the, and we'll stick with the SDR role, will the top of the funnel role be eliminated because the AI can do it so well? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of companies that are doing like kind of GTP three AI writing uh, emails for people type stuff. I don't know if um, I don't know if that's going to be a thing. I still think there's like the human element. That's really important. I think AI is there to augment, not automate in a lot of ways where 
uh, I wouldn't say in a lot of ways. I would say in the ways where human interaction is important, it's it's great for augmenting. You know, so like, hey, I recommend you reaching out like this based on everything that we found on the internet about this person that you're reaching out to. Here's a digest of information in order for you to tailor, you know, how you want to interact with them. I think them. I think AI writing the email for you um, is tough. I think AI and ML. Uh, analyzing the results is really good and giving you a recommendation how to do better. I think AI and ML analyzing the results and then doing the next step might not be as, as good. So where are we going to get? I don't know. Technology is moving at a blistering pace. So. Max, you just answered your question of where's the gap. Well, currently we can, cause I agree with you. We can gather all the data and create some level of recommendation, right? Like of, Hey, here's who, you know, it's Max. And, you know, you know, using crystal, you know, oh, Max likes to talk this way and use these phrases and whatever. And then there's your point of, well, where's the, what about the human part, right? Um, and coming in. And so maybe that's the gap. Maybe that's. Well, you know, there's lavender, there's crystal, there's things like that. You know, I, I, um, I don't know if that's a big enough gap. Like, I don't know how interesting that is to everyone to the masses if like people are going to use that or if people are just going to do what they're they're currently doing or do it or or optimize based off of um the information that's currently at hand so yeah it'd be good to see i mean i still haven't seen one of those companies scale at a blistering pace yet and i really do like the the lavender folks i think they execute at a high level um but gtm speaks gtm is the name of the game so we'll see yeah, it'll it'll be interesting, and I think some of it is a trust thing. Yeah, I think that um, you know it, it. People don't trust it yet, in my opinion, um, because they don't think we're that smart, or they don't think the computer is really that much smarter than them, kind of a thing. So, um, so I, I, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. So. Yep. All right, we're gonna give one last round of questions out. Um, for folks, if you got another question for us, let us know. But in the meantime, we're going to be shout out to our sponsors of uh, Outreach, obviously, and providing Max to us. Um, so click.outreach.io forward slash surf. Uh, mention Max and get the um, you know 99.99999% discount today only uh, in the next 30 minutes. Um, don't do that. Max will get come after me. But also want to thank uh, Vidyard, Sendoso, and Scratchpad for sponsoring us uh, for this bonfire session. We look forward to doing these live. And um, if anybody has a question, go ahead and pop it in the chat. Otherwise, I hope give everybody some time back in their day. All right. Well, I think we are set. Max, thank you, my man. Appreciate you always. Good to see you. Love to your wife and your two daughters. Uh, if you don't know, Max just had his second baby uh, or his wife had their second baby. So, um, you know, we, we look forward to it and uh, we'll see everybody again next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.